0: listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peas, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shujai.
2: Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shujai and lately we've covered a lot of dog topics. So this week, Pet Peeves has gone to the cats, and that brings me to my rant of the week. When people adopt a new puppy or a rescue dog, they immediately think about keeping the pup entertained. They worry about leaving the new dog home alone. Won't he be lonely? And they purchase a wide array of products and training toys. But the feline family member on the other paw comes into most households with no such expectations. Kitty ends up getting in trouble because she has no legal outlet for her energy. and often becomes a feline couch potato getting pudgy in her nether regions and in her brain. A bored cat finds something to do and it's not always what we choose for them. So how do you keep your cats healthy, both emotionally and physically, and prevent potential problems? Today's guest has some great insights into these questions and more. Ingrid Johnson is a well-known behavior counselor and a veterinary technician at Paws, Whiskers and Claws, the feline hospital in North Georgia. Ingrid has been working specifically with cats since 1999 and she's been a featured speaker at Humane Society events and hosted group education seminars on common feline behavior problems. She's the behavioral expert for the Atlanta Journal and Constitution, AJC Pets webpage, and she's been quoted in many Cat Fancy magazine articles, especially those having to do with environmental enrichment for cats. So don't let your cat kids intimidate you. Call them closer, as they'll like what Ingrid has to say. We'll be right back with cat behavior consultant Ingrid Johnson after these messages.
1: Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics. Right after we kibble a little with our sponsors.
3: It's time for school for you and your friends your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host, Pia Silvani, teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com
1: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves so here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun.
2: Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please help me welcome Ingrid Johnson. She's an associate member of the IAABC. We'll let you know what that is later on. She has some terrific insights and advice about cat enrichment and entertaining your cat's brain. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Ingrid.
0: Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having me.
2: What I like to do, Ingrid, before we we really get into the nitty-gritty, is I always ask my guests to tell something about themselves, especially what kind of critters are sharing your house and your heart at this time.
0: Oh well, that could be a long list. Um, but I'll okay. try to be it for you. Um, we currently have a very multi-cat household. I think that's a, an easy way to say it. And unfortunately, we're down to two dogs now. We've we've had three for for ten years, so it's a little bit of a change in the pack here. So we have a a multi-cat and a multi-pet household, and just goes to show that they can live in complete harmony. Um, together and, and still have a good life and no one has to live separate or confined. Everyone can learn to get along.
2: Well, how many cats do you have, Ingrid? I have ten. Ten cats! Mm-hmm. Whoa, that's some clouder
0: <laughs> Yeah, and um, you know, you should gasp when people tell you how you have that many because, you know, a lot of people, in my experience, is the people that have 20 should have none and the people that have one should have 20. <laughs> they do... Um, <laughs> It's it's it always seems to be the way, but um, you know I pride myself on the house is immaculate. You could white glove the place, and um, you know there's no reason for you to have pet hair everywhere and and have it smell or anything like that. It should be just as clean as if you didn't have any pets at all.
2: What are the age ranges? Well,
0: wow. well, when I first started working in the veterinary field, I was a little overzealous, so everyone is between ten and thirteen so I'm gonna have a really rough i mean we're already in our senior years, but the geriatric times are gonna be challenging and the the dogs are eight and thirteen so i i miss i lost my my middle guy just a couple of weeks ago actually so um so yeah we we don't have much of an age spread, which is nice for feeding protocols, <laughs> <laughs> but you know it makes for a lot of medical bills very tight together. <laughs>
2: Well, my sympathies on the loss of your dog, and that that kind of begs the question. I know, of course, that goes without saying. You would be missing this dog desperately and mourning this dog. How do the other animals feel about the loss of your dog?
0: Well, I like to think that things are going well because I've, tried to do the best I can to make sure everybody understood what was going on. Um, we're fortunate enough working in the vet field that we were able to euthanize him here at home and everyone was able to come up and sniff him and check him out and you know realize that he was gone. And you know He was, he was sick for a very short window, about a week before he passed and, and that was it. We went from jumping on six foot concrete walls and, and doing agility stuff to boom, we had a ruptured tumor. So um, there wasn't a lot of time And um, so everybody, I think, probably knew he was ill before I did. And then once he was passed, they had a chance to check that out. So I think in in that sense, everybody understands and knows that he's gone. And we haven't had any depression. We've tried to really stick to our routine, you know, feeding protocols, walking. All of that's been exactly like clockwork to help keep them in their structured, you know, in structured uh, system that we're used to. And I think that that's helped everybody cope. But definitely seen a change in the younger uh, male dog. Definitely starting to uh, push the boundaries a little bit more, you know, get up on the sofa ah. and cuddle on the bed and things that he never used to do. <laughs>
2: ah, okay. Well, what, what are some uh, common behavior problems that, obviously not your cats, but other cats may develop out of kitty boredom? Let's get right to the, to the topic of our, of our conversation today.
0: Sure, sure. Well, boredom, frustration, and stress—I think—are probably, I mean, some of the most common reasons cats develop behavior problems. I mean, if we think about what they've got going on outside, I mean, they—they're, you know, exposed to so many dangers, but they do have a, a wonderful, ever-changing world. So, we try to recreate that in the in the home environment because, you know, they do—they start, you know, tearing things up, getting into cabinets, destroying furniture, biting. Um, a lot of aggression comes from frustration and stress and just pent up energy. So, you know, beating up your buddy, um, or even literate, you know, whoever it might be in the house that you can take it out on, um... And, and potentially even redirecting towards the human and just being frustrated and, and a little short-fused with their, their human caretakers. Um, so, I mean, boredom and frustration and stress can manifest in so many ways, uh, even even self-mutilating behaviors and, and you know, gr- excessively grooming themselves until they're bald and scabby and things like that. I mean, it's just... It can run the gamut. It really just depends on the kitty. Um, But the most common things would be destructive behavior, aggression, and also some inappropriate elimination, I think, is definitely due to frustration and stress.
2: Okay. And this isn't necessarily just when you have multiple cats either, is it, Ingrid? This hasn't I mean if you have a single cat that is just bored out of your skull, I mean, that can have problems. He doesn't have to be fighting with his litter mate. He could be
0: Absolutely and I get so frustrated for these guys because you know, I I think in my opinion most cats. Unless they were you know adopted as a little six week old kitten and raised completely isolated from their own species, you know they they are a social species to an extent, and they like to you know i think take comfort in at least knowing there's another kitty in the household. but you know if you've raised a cat for ten years as an only child, introducing them to a friend is not going to happen <laughs> or or is less likely um to happen but I, the way I usually explain it to my clients, again because they most people understand dogs better than they understand cats, is think about all the fun things that dogs get to do. They go on family vacations, walks in the park, trips to the PetSmart to pick out their own toys. You know, they they get to go to the groomer, they go on car rides, just to run errands. So much stuff they get to do, and the indoor-only cat pretty much stares out a window for 20 years and does nothing. And it's insulting to them, quite honestly. I mean, they, just as intelligent and trainable as dogs, and they, you know, can learn to do tricks, and all the same little stuff, we just don't hold them to the same standard, and and have those expectations of them. So, I think it's just as important for them to have fun stuff to do, just like we do with a family dog.
2: Okay, well, let me play devil's advocate here a minute. So, Okay. The, the great outdoors has all of these wonderful things for our cat friends. Why don't we just open the door and let him go out and call of the wild and have fun out there?
0: Well, sure. I mean, and there's certainly something to be said. You know, I, I will say, it, again, being in the veterinary practice setting, these indoor outdoor guys, most of them, have lot nicer figures <laughs> and this one have some really great teeth from chewing on all those bones and, and weird things. <laughs> things, all of their prey. Um, I mean, so there's definitely something to be said for it, but I just, you know, I think about lefty who's rolling around on the floor in front of me right now, who's three-legged hit by a car, missing half of his jaw on his top, you know, side of his face and, um, missing part of his tongue and most of his teeth on that side too. I've got another three-legged upstairs. I had a paralyzed cat that was you know, hit by a car that I had to express her bladder. She was with us for seven years. You know, there's so many dangers. I've got another one with a bullet in her spine because, you know, she was shot probably by some nasty kid playing with a BB gun or something. So I mean, there's so many dangers out there and, and sure, they live longer, healthier lives inside, but are they happier? And so that's my goal is to give them the enrichment of the outdoors, but bring it inside. And if you want to take them out, leash and harness train them. Teach them to come to certain commands. Create an outdoor enclosure. You know, there's so much that we can do to give them that, that freedom of the outside and still keep them safe. Of course, if you're going to have an outdoor enclosure, I highly recommend heartworm prevention and flea and tick control. <laughs> it's a lot of people tend to forget about in cats as well.
2: Let's talk a little bit about what are some enclosure options for people because, you know, you think of the dogs, well, you you know, you can put up a chain link fence and, and here goes little Fluffy out there and, and climbs the fence and is over.
0: Right, right. And the, the number one thing that I recommend, and of course people are creative and a lot of times, you know, don't necessarily want to go out and buy something and they make it themselves, but the if you're going to buy something, the perfect fence and it's, P-U-R-R-R, you know, purr, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> perfectfence.com. Um, they have a, an amazing structure that is it's very unobtrusive, so it masks well in most people's yards and properties. And you could do as small as a just a little enclosure for you to take them out and put them in. Or you could fence in your whole backyard with this stuff. And the way it works is the, the top portion of it kind of tilts in and then tilts in yet again. So if the cat were to climb it, they would be rerouted back to the ground. They're not squirrels so they can't necessarily <laughs> pull themselves over this, you know, tilted-in structure. And it's also, it looks like chain-link fence, but it actually is more supple, and it's black, and it's, um, so they can't get a lot of traction on it either. And it's actually used for feral cat colonies, and their brochure claims that there's zero escapes to date. So you um, even have a, a structure around, like, a tree, you know, so they couldn't climb the tree and jump over.
2: So it attaches then to existing structures, as I understand it.
0: Yeah, you can actually, you know, you can put it right in the ground and, and, and create your own little fenced-in area, essentially, but you can also, you know, put it around the perimeter of an already existing fence so that they can't scale that fence. And then you, there's a basically like a, um, a circular piece that you could put around the trunk of a tree. So they might be able to climb up so far, but they wouldn't be able to get well into the branches and then jump over a fence and take off. And some people have, again, for rescue places, have fenced in, you know, acres of enclosure. And, you know, other people do a little six-foot-by-six-foot six area in their backyard so the cats can chew on some grass and watch the birds
2: if that's not an option for them uh say you live in a high rise apartment you know in new york city or you're it's uh, you know in my sure. my neck of the woods i could put up a you know perfect fence but it wouldn't keep the other critters out we have coyotes and other things that like to munch on cats so right. uh, how do we bring the outside indoors uh, i noticed on your brochure you, you were talking about birds and bees and branches and fish tanks and what what are some specifics here that people can do
0: Yeah, well, one thing that I do like is to appeal to the seasons. Um, It can be fun to try to go outside and bring in some snow if you've got it. Put it on a cookie sheet. Let them play with it. Bring in branches from outside. Bring in a box full of leaves. Of course, you know, hopefully your cats are vaccinated appropriately and, you know, deworm for intestinal parasites and things like that. But let them play with some of the smells and textures of the outdoors. I like to bring in a bunch of leaves in the fall. Um, We're coming up on fall here now, so it's a fun idea for people put it in an old cardboard box, and if you have, like, a screen porch or a mud room or a laundry room, let the cats come in and, and jump in there and play in there, and I even throw treats in there, so they dig around in leave leaves to find their little dental kibbles. And um, so it just be, it almost becomes like a foraging toy, essentially, because they, they're just digging around for some, some treats. And, you know, it, screen porches, of course, are always great, but, again, if you live in a high-rise apartment in New York, not an option. Um, so I do try to encourage people to set up some sort of, you know, bird feeders and bird baths and squirrel feeders and things like that outside windows. And I try to open windows as much as possible, too, just to let them get some fresh air, you know, just so they get some, get the smells of the outside. Um, just to, And also, too, um, you can grow some things indoors, like some uh, organic wheatgrass or catnip, if you're creative, you can grow these things in windowsills and putting a little bit of a mesh wire plate over top of the soil so the cats don't dig in the soil and make a mess, but that Gosh. the leaves of the wheatgrass can actually come up through the mesh, and that way they can nibble on their wheatgrass but not you know dig dirt all over your floor.
2: Well, what about those um, videos for cats you see advertised? I think uh, Video Catnip was the first. Does that, is that really something that appeals to cats? Or do they just yeah, kind of you know, yawn and and say, oh, come on, I've seen the real thing?
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on the cat. Um, you know, in my household, I have probably maybe about half of them that respond to those videos. We do carry a video at Paul's Whiskers and Claws. We have some nice clients who made it for us. Um, it's called Crouching Kitty Hidden Birdie. <laughs> <laughs> so, It's, um, they're video producers that love cats, so they have a beautiful backyard and they filmed all these really close-up shots of birds and squirrels, you know, feeding on rocks and, you know, eating seed and that kind of thing. They're really short clips of really close-up figures. I've seen some where they've got, like, reptiles on there, you know, and they're not really moving. Not super exciting for a cat. But, yeah, I, one way I encourage people to get them interested in the video is actually turn all the lights out in the room and make sure that your cat can get over to the TV. I mean, if you don't have a super fancy TV where, you know where they can't paw at it, obviously don't get them that close. But I'll actually turn off all the lights, and my cat condos are on wheels, so I'll just roll the cat condo right over to the middle of the room so that they can all climb up on the cat condo and watch the birds <laughs> and the squirrels. And you'd be surprised how many of them, you know, try to jump at it or, you know, jump behind the TV if they can and see where they went uh, when they leave the screen. But I think the, the turning off the lights helps everything illuminate a bit more so that they're a little bit more focused on it. And hockey is popular, too. My cats <laughs> like to watch hockey. Ah, all the motion okay yeah yeah i mean bright white with little black things zipping around on there you know that's (laughs) that's pretty exciting and sometimes when you know you're not home leave on some classical music playing leave something calming and soothing on so that they just don't feel so alone i don't recommend usually leaving animal planet on though because sometimes there's a lot of animals crying on there and it can be a little stressful to them i think
2: Ah, okay. Depending I had, on the show,
0: right? You, you have to pre-program your wanna... cat's television too.
2: <laughs> well, it's just you know screening, just like for a child. So uh, exactly, uh, you had mentioned also in your in one of your your handouts, putting alphabet magnets on the where they can reach them on the um, the refrigerator. That's brilliant. I had never yes. thought of that.
0: You know, I I actually thank you, but I can't take full credit for that. I think I learned that at a behavior conference, and I I think it may have been either maybe even Steve Dale or Karen Overall or somebody like that who mentioned it to me. But yeah, especially for young kittens, or even you can use a magnetic board like a children's toy from, say, Toys R Us or something if you don't want to clog up the refrigerator or you've got a stainless steel fridge and it won't hold magnets. But they can have a field day with that, just batting them around.
2: Well, I know you also mentioned the um, ping-pong balls in the empty tub, and I've, that my cat loves that. I've been doing that for years. Or, or the catnip marinade. Describe for listeners what do you mean by that.
0: Sure, yeah, and that is, again, uh, something I think that is oftentimes overlooked, is we think we need to go out to PetSmart and get new toys all the time. Cats don't really care whether or not they're new and they just came out of a brand-new package. We just need to rejuvenate them. You can have a hundred toys in the house, and, and trust me, I do. <laughs> I have more than a hundred, <laughs> but I rotate them because you know if, if you don't move them around and you don't take them away and out of sight, out of mind for a little while, they you know they've killed that a hundred times over. There's no excitement there. That's that's a dead mouse, and we're done with it. So I pick them all up, vacuum them off, wash them in the washing machine, whatever is necessary, and then throw them in a big tin with some fresh catnip, and I forget about them for a month or two. And then every couple of weeks, you know, after you do a good cleaning or something, you just go and. Grab your catniff marinade and throw a bunch of fresh toys all over the floor. And you're the best mom in the world. You just went to PetSmart. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to buy new toys.
2: And honeysuckle, actually. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. That's. The the, I was going to mention the honeysuckle is a wonderful thing. I did a review for Cats Magazine years ago, uh, where that little cat shop I think in Canada had discovered that the cats loved the honeysuckle bush.
0: Yeah, and they almost treat it like catnip. And you know, that's actually I have to admit, it's kind of new to me. I didn't realize for the longest time that they were so responsive. And and now that we've got wind of it, we carry honeysuckle spray at our vet practice. And we use it in the exam rooms for, uh, to help you know, calm and soothe and appeal to the aromatherapy, as well as lavender oil. Well,
2: and you know, I think people often overlook what I like to call cheap thrills. I mean, cats, as you said, they don't care if you spent huge bucks on it or if it's the empty paper sack from the grocery store.
0: Absolutely. You know, everyone forgets about the cardboard box. And, you know, I mean, gosh, even the just the, the tray that your canned food comes in, that cardboard tray can be entertainment for hours. You put a little ball in there or a juicy ring or something like that. But, yeah, brown paper bags, all the stuff that we forget about, the stuff that all my cats had to play with when I was little, that, you know, they didn't have all these toys. When I was a little kid, brown <laughs> paper bag, there was always one in the middle of the dining room floor. <laughs> and, uh yeah.
2: Well, we will cover more about what makes your cat purr when we continue our conversation with Ingrid Johnson after these messages from our sponsors.
1: Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors.
4: Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about.
5: Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. I read about it on my cat's Twitter
4: page. That's I <laughs> Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Things, humans, what
5: planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. to my condo in Boca Pet Planet magazine check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578 it's out of this world
1: coast to coast and around the world it's all behave with Arden Moore find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin, Tin towels. dot <laughs> we know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves <laughs> so here's Amy with some more tail tying fur flying fun
2: we're back and again speaking with Ingrid Johnson. She's an associate member of the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. This is an organization that's dedicated to providing continuing education and resources to animal behavior professionals. She also offers consultations and specializes in cats with litter box avoidance issues, aggression, inappropriate scratching problems, and more. Now, she also believes in the importance of of environmental enrichment for cats. And that's going to get us to our second part of the show because when she couldn't find the products she needed, she created her own line of feline foraging toys. She also is an advocate of cat training. And so I wanted to get in a little bit about cat training. Can you really train a cat, Ingrid? How is it different than training a dog?
0: Lots of positive reinforcement, and they really need to be food-motivated. It can be challenging to, uh, in my opinion, to train a cat that is not food-motivated because we like to use a lot of treat rewards. And I I think personally a little bit more patience, you know, to try to get them. They don't have the need to please us the way dogs do, Um, but it's very, very possible. And I think a lot of people just underestimate the ability to, to train them. I think one of the best things people can do is if they're interested in doing that is getting a book on clicker training your cat and um i mean there are a couple available out there and um pam johnson bennett i think has has done things like that quite well as well so i'm definitely an advocate of giving it a whirl it's just um there's so many uh so many things to try to encourage new clients of new new cat owners to do and um Oftentimes, they they really turn a blind eye when you say, "Oh, you can train them to high five and come when they're called and sit when you ask them to sit," and they just kind of look at you like you're from Mars. So it's <laughs> it's definitely a world we're still fighting the fight, you know, <laughs> trying to educate people.
2: Well, and I think for a lot of folks, they expect the dog to be able to sit and lie down and beg and do all of those things. But when a cat does it, it's like, Oh my gosh, you are a genius. How did you? Because my little cat will come when called, walks on the leash, sits up, begs. You know, I haven't gotten her to speak on command yet. A friend of mine, Dusty Rainbolt, had taught her cats to meow on command, which was very cool. So it can be done, and this is is another way to kind of keep that kitty brain engaged in life.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, that, you know, sometimes, just like with dogs, you know, if you have a dog that has a natural ability to jump and climb, then clearly they might be, you know, good in in some agility stuff. And if you have a cat that, you know, naturally paws at you when they meow, that cat probably is going to be pretty easily taught how to high-five. And, you know, so you try to work with some of the behaviors that they already have started to do and and, and go from there.
2: All right. Now, I know that cats in nature, as we talked about earlier, they're not going to get bored because... Well, you know, they're hunting for food. That's not a boring thing. It's a hungry thing if they don't find something. But it's it's something that keeps them engaged. So how can we recreate the thrill of the hunt with our indoor cats? Tell us about foraging toys.
0: Well, foraging toys for me are personally, I think, one of the most overlooked forms of environmental enrichment for indoor cats. Most people have realized now that, okay, we've got to provide a scratching post. You know, we've got to have a couple toys around the house, a feather toy, something like that. But I think foraging toys are still kind of cutting edge for a lot of people. And we're actually encouraging people with new kittens to start this from the go. Foraging toys are basically any object that you can cut a hole in <laughs> that you could fill with food is a foraging toy. And trust me, any object that you can cut cut a hole. And it's amazing what you can make a foraging toy out of. And um, I mean, they don't have to be fancy, although there's some toys on the market, very few and far between. Most of them are balls. Most of them are too easy once your cat becomes really good at foraging. So you have to get creative to try to create new challenges. But as an example, um, an empty water bottle is a perfect foraging toy and it's a perfect starter toy. They can hear, see, and smell that there's food inside. And um, you you cut so many holes in it that the kibble is literally just gushing out so that they're rewarded every time they nudge it with their nose or bat it with their paw. And as they start to do the behavior more and more, obviously they start to continue to, to eat and get kibble from that. And then we lessen the amount of holes in the object. We change the object. We make it harder to roll. We eventually move on to cubes and things that are opaque. So they really have to work at it. In my household of 10 cats, I probably have about 120 foraging toys. Wow, And my cats only eat that way. They get canned food multiple times a day because cats naturally eat many, many small meals throughout the day. They're not meal feeders. You know, if you let a dog just free feed, they're going to explode. (laughs) (laughs) But most cats can self-regulate unless they're bored. A lot of cats tend to just eat because there's nothing else to do. So if these guys want to eat because there's nothing else to do, well, at least we've slowed them down and we've slowed down their carbohydrate intake because they are inherently carnivores. And so giving them, you know, good canned food, potentially low calorie if they're chubby, and then limiting their carbs by making them work for them, they're still free feeding. And at our vet practice, we're very big advocates of free feeding, particularly when you have multiple cats, because we do see a lot of intercat aggression over competition for resources. So, and I've got someone foraging right in front of me right now, batting a peanut butter jar around. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and, you know, anything, yogurt cups and, and peanut butter jars and water bottles and shoe boxes and all kinds of stuff can be a foraging toy.
2: How do you motivate the cat to forage if he's never done this before?
0: Excellent question. So you have to start with something novel. If you put the same kibble that's in a bowl in their foraging toy, what's the motivation to work for that when you've got a bowl of it? You know, they're cats. Right. They're smart enough to recognize the difference. So I absolutely start. I usually start with some treats. At our practice, we encourage the uh, TD, which is the dental diet, as a treat because it's good for their teeth, it's low in calorie, it's good for hairballs, it's high fiber. So you can be pretty generous with it. It's the Hills Prescription Diet TD, and it's, it's, it's a good treat because it's not pounce. you know, it's not with perlicans, it's not all that you know Oreo is Oreo cookies, essentially for cats, right, so right. we encourage that because it's usually different than whatever the owner might be feeding, and if that's not enough, you know maybe some feline greenies or some other form of treat that's not super <laughs> super junky, and um we fill up the toy with that, and you really have to fill up the toy a lot of people put in you know five or ten pieces of kibble and it's really challenging when it's almost empty. So whatever the object is that you have, I encourage people to fill it about three-quarters of the way and, again, put lots of holes in it. Once the cat gets the hang of it for some treats and something really novel, and you've got them eating canned food regularly two or three times a day, then you can start just putting the regular food in there and diluting out the treats with the regular food. And eventually the treats go away. You can always throw a couple, you know, something exciting in there just so every once in a while something really cool falls out. But for the most (laughs) part... My cats just forage for dental kibble, and they have wonderful teeth and healthy mouths to to, to boot. And um, Again, it's low-calorie, so they can work on them all day long.
2: Okay, you've got two dogs in your household. I have a German Shepherd that will eat anything that's uh, not nailed down. How do I keep my dog from getting the uh, interactive toys that are meant for my cat?
0: Very good question, and I have a German Shepherd as well. (laughs) Um, But I, well, one, the, the dogs were taught from a very young age, and they differentiate. I mean, I have, my floor is littered with cat toys. I mean, if I were to count them right now on the phone with you, it would be ridiculous. So they know the difference between their toys and the cat toys, and if they ever have a cat toy in their mouth, they're told to drop it. Now, of course, the food is much more motivating, so there is a little bit of a challenge there. But what I do when I'm not home to supervise is I put up some baby gates. So the dogs have the main living space of the house. They've got the kitchen, living, dining area. They've, they've, they're not crated at all. But when we're not there to supervise, we do have some baby gates lifted up off the floor so the cats can scoot under the gates or jump over them, whichever they choose. And that way the dogs can't get to the canned food, which is they're much more motivated for the canned food than they are for the foraging toys. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Um, litter boxes. You know, they can't get to those. But when we're home, they know better. They, they wouldn't dare. <laughs> so that's really, it's, yeah, a lot of it's just a, a training thing on the dog's part. It's, it's definitely a challenge, and I do have a lot of clients that do have, have problems with that. So I think the baby gates are the best way to, to provide that. You can also do um, a foraging pinata that you can hang up, um, something that you drill a hole in and, and hang a string through, and you can hang that from a cat condo, and that might give the cats a chance to forage up high away from the dog.
2: Where it drops down and the dog's waiting below with his mouth open. (laughs) Yeah,
0: admittedly, the smart cats in the house just sit at the bottom of the cat condo and wait. There you go. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well... We are out of time, but uh, before we go, I wanted to ask Ingrid, how can folks listening find you? What's, what's a website? And, uh, and Ingrid also has some great handouts that are available on her website. So let folks know, how can they get in contact with you?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, well, you can reach us at www.pawswhiskersandclaws.com. Um, And that's that's the veterinary hospital that I work for. There's also a behavior questionnaire there on the website, which they can fill out if they're having any behavior problems. I do counsel people via phone as well as house calls. And of course, phone number 770-579-6001. They can certainly reach me there. Yeah, hopefully, people find some good information on the website. Um, there's lots of behavior handouts on there as well as medical.
2: All right, great. Well, I am delighted that uh, you've taken the time to speak with us. Uh, I would like to thank Ingrid Johnson and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off email me suggestions, or post a note in my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the free monthly Pet Peeves newsletter available at Shojai.com. Purrs and trills until next time. And turn the tables on your cats. Offer them the gift of training and enrichment. There's nothing sadder than a bored, frustrated feline. You'll be happier, and your cats will love it. And the bond you share can only get better. After all, you don't want your cats to get peeved.
1: That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick.